asking the right questions will unlock your best life. They are the keys to enjoying more clarity, passion, balance, and confidence. Hi, I'm Todd Parker. And I'm Bridget Sampson. We're certified executive and life coaches, communication professors, trainers, consultants, and most importantly, parents. We're also dear friends who love diving into those deep conversations about life, relationships, family, and careers. All things about being a curious and compassionate human on this planet. So please join us, and we know you'll find something valuable that resonates with wherever you are on your journey. Welcome back to the Right Questions podcast. I am your co-host in this fantastic, I don't know, magic carpet ride that seems to be an adventure every time we have a have a conversation and a, and a new guest on, which today will be no different. But as I always do, I always want to check in with my co-host, Bridget. How are you doing today? I am doing very well. I'm doing great. Thank you for checking in, Todd. I, our guest is one of my favorite people in the world, so I'm very happy that we get to have this chat. I know it. I know she is. And uh, so we're going to get to hear her in just one moment. I do want to point out, though, Bridget, and reveal for our listeners that something strange happened just about a week or two ago. Bridget and I saw each other in person for the first time (laughs) that you pointed out to me, right? Because we see each other here all the time. Yep. But we hadn't seen each other in person in, what, a year, year yeah, and a half? Yeah, over a year, well yeah, over, yeah, crazy. because since probably February of 2020, so long. And I, yeah, it was really weird. You walked in the door of my house and I was like, you're a human being still. Like, I just yeah. wanted to give you a big hug and like, it just felt, yeah, it was, it was a very moving moment. It felt like a big moment. It did. And it was beautiful. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I agree. And to like, to give you a hug and to like touch you, there's something that is lost in, in all of this that we try to capture. But what it got me thinking about was this idea of how perfect that moment was. It just how, and then in the last year, how imperfect perhaps everything that's happened, it hasn't been the most perfect year. And yet we've right. <laughs> had opportunities and gifts and learnings and all kinds of great things for some of us come out of it and also some tragedy that isn't lost uh, on any of us. So, you know, I lead in today with this idea because we're going to, well, lean into the idea of maybe perfection, right? And I'm going to reveal the question in a moment. But I had a thought and an experience this past week of going on vacation for the first time also in, what, a year and a half, two years or so. And I was able to be with family and see my sister and uh, my partner and her kids came, you know, our large family now. It's two of us and we have five kids between the two of us. And I was sitting on the beach at the end of this week-long vacation, and we were doing a bonfire because we couldn't stay for July 4th, because we couldn't get the house for that date, right? So um, kind of imperfect, but perfect. And I'm sitting there thinking like, gosh, this is just, I'm just so grateful. I'm just, I was so moved and in the moment appreciating how perfect it was sitting on the beach with kids screaming at each other, somebody was burying another, somebody was crying, the s'mores had sand all over them, like there was problems for everybody. And yet everything seemed to be kind of just right. And it was nothing that I had ever pictured in my mind of what July 4th, 2021 would look like, right? So I say that because I'm going to have you introduce our guest in a moment, Bridget, but I say that because the question we're tackling today has a lot to do with this, right? And it's sort of this idea of, and the question is, what would you do if you didn't have to do it perfectly, right? And we're going to get into the spirit of what that really means. And I imagine that our guest has a couple thoughts about my beach excursion. So I'm going to shut up now <laughs> and I'm going to let you introduce this wonderful, warm, brilliant soul so that we can experience all of her wisdom. Bridget. Yes. Thank you, Todd. And that's a great kickoff. I was moved by all of that, as I always am when you kick things off. I never know what you're going to say, but I always love it. <laughs> and thank you for bringing up us seeing each other. And and that's another great example of the the gifts of imperfection, to quote the title of Brene Brown's book. I almost didn't feel like I hadn't seen you in that long because 
we do see each other and talk to each other all the time over Zoom. And so as imperfect as Zoom is, it's a beautiful gift that allows us to stay connected. And that's where we are now. And so I am so happy to have here on our Zoom and in our on our podcast, the amazing Margalit Grunberger. I just say welcome. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Welcome, Margalit. Thank you. Both amazing. So great to be here. Yes, we are so excited to have you here. We're going to have a fantastic conversation. But before we do that, I'm going to have to have you sit for a moment, sit tight and listen to me gush about you. It's like one of my favorite things about this podcast, isn't it? And I, I can't help myself, but it's just so exciting to get to have such incredible people. And, and today is no different, as Todd said. So let me tell you about my dear friend and mentor, Margalit Grunberger. She has had tremendous business success. She grew a wholesale linens company from one single pillowcase, which is where it all started with her partner, Lisa, into a multi-million dollar bedding company. She and her co-founder, Lisa, founded in 1996, the company called Gotcha Covered. Isn't that a, a fantastic name? Uh, they grew the business. It had tremendous success. As I said, they had a 20-year run. And then they went ahead and did what many business owners dream of, and they successfully sold their business in 2016. So, so much to learn from Margalit. She's a great leader in the business world and our business community. And now she's a coach like us. So we talk very often about coaching strategies and tools and techniques. And Margulie is just incredibly knowledgeable and so wise and compassionate as a coach. And I've learned so much from her about coaching. She, like us, is also certified by the International Coaching Federation. We went to the same coaching school with the same amazing teachers. Shout out to Sue and Jory of Fast Track Coach Academy. And prior to her successful career as an entrepreneur, Margalit was interested in kidney research and she has her BS in nutrition from Ohio State University. So like many entrepreneurs, we kind of find ourselves with this drive to start a business, even if it has nothing to do with, you know, the experiences we've had in our paths and our education necessarily. She was on her way to get her master's degree in nutrition and she somehow ended up at a PR firm and loved it, right? And kind of made her way up the ranks there and learned a lot and ended up deciding to start her own business later on down the road. And she'll tell us if, if I've missed some things more in there. We're going to ask her about, you know, her experiences in, in the discussion. But she now not only is a coach, but she's a very active volunteer for many organizations, such as one of our wonderful organizations that we love, the Entrepreneurs Organization of Los Angeles and the Entrepreneurs Organization of Los Angeles North, which I'm uh, a member of the Accelerator Program in. And she volunteers as our coach mentor is an incredible teacher for all of us and support for all of us in growing our businesses. She is a volunteer for this incredible organization called Sarisa, an incredible organization that matches leaders in the corporate world with mentors and Toastmasters. I know She's super involved with Toastmasters and has fun there. She was on the Entrepreneurs Organization of LA board as a leader for throughout her 13-year membership. So she's got lots of mentoring, coaching, leadership experience. Personally, Margalie and I are dear friends. We see each other, talk to each other regularly, and finally just saw each other in person as well. We're going to probably have lots of stories about coming back together with people in person and had our first accountability group meeting in person and had our first get together over tea. And it just makes me so happy to think about those experiences. Marga Lee, her professional life is incredibly noteworthy as, an, as a successful entrepreneur. Her personal life and her experiences are quite striking. And there's a lot to learn from all of them. Her parents were Holocaust survivors. She's going to share a little bit more about that with us and all that she learned in particular from her mom. Marley uh, is a breast cancer survivor. I don't know that the term survivor, thriver, breast cancer thriver, you know, through, through that experience, a lot to learn. Margalie got married for the first time at 60 years old to her amazing husband, who I also am lucky enough to know and have spent time with at our many EO events. And even in Hawaii, I remember sitting in Hawaii at one of the lectures with you and Simon and all of us just learning together and, and so many beautiful experiences that we've had. And I just adore you and Simon and, and see how beautiful you are together. You just celebrated your 
two year anniversary, correct? So congratulations. You know, not many people get to be like madly in love newlyweds in their 60s. That is just so cool. I can't tell you. Marguerite's going to share, you know, I won't say too much more, but her coaching website and practice is the Margalit method. We really want you to check that out. We'll have the link in the show notes. She loves to talk about the idea of training your brain, which I want her to tell us all about. And she does tons of extended learning. Like every time I talk to Margalit, she's telling me about this latest class she took and this new approach and this new concept and so generously sharing it all with me. So I can say that my coaching, you know, has been enhanced tremendously by having Margalit as my mentor. So Margalie, I'll leave it there. <laughs> but I know there's a lot more. So I'm going to turn it over it's to funny. you and ask that. Well, that's funny for me to say, but now everybody <laughs> wants me to shut up, like Todd said, and hear from you because you have so much to share. Would you tell us, would you go all the way back? Because it's been so meaningful to me when you've shared one-on-one some of your experiences and what you learned from your mom and her being a Holocaust survivor and her lack of formal education, yet her you know, she could have been a coach. She, the things she taught you were like coaching concepts. So will you tell us a little bit about all that? Sure. But I just want to thank you both. And Todd, when you talked about seeing Bridget for the first time, I could cry truthfully. And just the energy, and you're right, just the energy of meeting in person and the beach. We can talk about the beach experience. But my mom, both my parents were Holocaust survivors from Czechoslovakia. My mom was in Auschwitz, which is the most famous, I think, concentration camp. And I didn't realize until later in life that what I do now is based on what I learned as a child. Because when I was a kid, she had an adorable Czech accent. Neither of my parents are on this planet anymore. They lived till they were 90. So I had, they had a great life. And she would always say to me, Margalit, when she was upset, Margalit, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm training my brain. So she wanted to let me know, even as a young child, that the external world isn't going according to plan. But that's okay. She'll figure it out inside. And so I bet you she was like that before the camps. I call the concentration camps the camps. Kids of, of Holocaust survivors, that's how we call it. You know, when you're in Auschwitz or when you have any kind of trauma, one of the ways to get through it is how do you create an experience inside yourself so you can get through it? I don't know if that makes sense. My mom, I don't I think she didn't go past sixth grade education. Neuroscience wasn't where it is today you know, in the 60s and the 70s and the maybe 60s and 70s. So when she said train your brain, she wasn't talking neuroscience. Today, I'm a neuroscience nerd and I love talking about the brain and how we can create what we want based on our internal compass. Ooh, Margalit, since you said that, I might be interrupting, so I want you to go on, but can you show us for those who are watching on, on YouTube, your brain, your brain snow globe and tell us about it? This is my new toy. I work on the brain. And when we're emotionally upset, this is what happens to our brain. And it's wired like this. It's meant to scare us. And that's okay. It's not like we're not supposed to feel fear. One thing I love about coaching is I'll say things and a client will say, well, do you mean that I'm not supposed to feel it? I'm like, no, thank you for bringing that up. Actually feel it. And if you want to move forward, if you want to create something, if you want to have a different emotion, shift your emotional state, whether it's at that moment or next, the next day, we have to quiet ourselves. And it, it, the snow settles. Right? If we go keep going like this, that's what happens with their brain. So you are the first people I'm showing my new toy to. So thank you. It's a great toy. If you're listening, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. If you're listening, yeah, please watch on YouTube. But if you can't, just we want to describe Marley's got this fantastic snow globe that she had created for this purpose to use as a prop in coaching and, and in her many talks that she gives for organizations where you can see that 
snow flurry craziness and imagine how that we know that happens in our brain of where it's just really it things aren't settled and it feels like this flurry of emotions and thoughts and and then eventually it settles yeah when you train your brain we're wired like that you know our amygdala you know what is it flight freeze what am i trying to say i don't know Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, we're wired like that because we want to keep comfortable. We want to stay. Our brain wants to stay where it needs to stay. And if it's that serving you, then by all means, you know, someone says to me, I don't want to be coached or I don't want that to change. Great. That's wonderful that you know that. But many of us want to change and we don't have the tools or knowledge to make those changes. And there's information everywhere. And my philosophy is if we even change one thing in our life, 5%, it'll transform our life. Well, the, the story of your mom and the idea of training your brain and how that served as a foundation, like you said, to everything, everything that you know and impart to anyone that you're working with, you know, personally and professionally, you know, when we were talking about what question to ask, right, what to, what's question to explore for this show, you know, you very eloquently stated, what would you do if you didn't have to do it perfectly? And so I'm looking at the snow globe and I'm seeing the flurry and I'm curious why this question about perfection and training the brain. Yeah, because First of all, I believe no one really knows what perfection is. If I slammed into it, if I walked into the wall of perfection, I wouldn't recognize it. Because when someone says, I want to do it perfectly, a question is, and what does that look like? I don't like saying 100% of the time, but 100% of the time, they don't know what it looks like. Now, again, I'm not talking about emergency situations. I'm talking about something we want to create in our life. And so when we take the element of it doesn't have to be perfect, we open up this whole space about what's possible. I wouldn't have started a business because I didn't know what I was doing. And you know what? Every day I was in my business imperfectly. I had 15 employees. They were the best team. I promise you, I made tons of mistakes. And I believe one of the things I work on personally and with others is We are all masters at what's not possible because it's not possible because we want it to be perfect. What if perfection's taken off the table? What if you can't mess it up? You know, the pandemic is a perfect example. In one of my leadership trainings that I did, you know, people were saying, I don't know how to do this pandemic. There's no playbook. You can't mess it up. What if there's no playbook? What if we can't mess it up? What's possible? Then what? Well, we have a culturally. Right, society, like we have a sort of an obsession with perfection. It's that we have sayings all over across time, right? Across history and across cultures about like what, to your point, what perfection even means or how to achieve it. I mean, I'm thinking of and in different applications, right? So like pitch perfect, he or she, they could, they could be pitch perfect or they, you could throw the perfect pitch, right? Like, and the perfect pitch depends on the scenario and what you're trying to achieve on the field. Like if we're talking about baseball and who the batter is, right? And what inning we're in or the perfect storm, right? To take another a little slant to it. Like what would that perfect storm be? We use that in often to say it was like a positive thing, like the perfect storm of the pandemic for us. It created this situation. But then I also hear in there these really deep, deep sayings in our culture, right? That things from like Tolstoy, if you look for perfection, you will never, ever be content. Or as I'm reading here, because I wrote it down, Salvador Dali, have no fear of perfection. You'll never reach it, right? So not (laughs) only do we not have the idea of what it, like you said, 100% of the time, we don't really know what it is. We don't even think, we, we, we may not ever reach. It's an untenable, unreachable goal. And yet everything can still be perfect is what I hear you saying. Right. And we also have a different definition of perfection. If the three of us talk about any topic, we'll have a different definition. And also, on a different note, we struggle and suffer more 
in our quest for perfection or in exploring perfection. You know, Byron Katie, who is brilliant, she's an author and speaker, and she does this, she has a philosophy called this, the work, literally, thework.com. And, you know, and her belief is, and it changed her life, is any time you argue with reality, you're wrong 100% of the time. Now, I just learned, so acceptance gives us permission to create what we want, to do what we need to do. And again, a client said to me, so I wasn't clear, does accept mean I'm happy with what's going on? No, accept for me, acceptance means this is the way it is, like cancer, the cancer diagnosis. In order for me to accept it, then I could move forward and experience what I need to experience, right? If a client accepts something, it's like respecting where you are now doesn't mean you don't want to change it. In fact, it's the opposite. It opens up the space to change it. That reminds me of, of a conversation I think that you and I had at, at one point, Marguerite, where we were talking about, I think you were getting ready for a talk where you were going to share your cancer experience. And you said to me something along the lines of, for a moment, you were asking, why me? And then you went to, why not me? And that hit me. That really hit me. Like, this is me. This is my journey. This is why not me? Why should it be anybody else and not me? And I just know that that experience for you, that you really grew from it. I mean, you wouldn't choose it. That's it's the kind of acceptance you're talking about, right? Like you, of course, you weren't happy about it. You didn't want it. You wouldn't choose it. But you used it as a tool for growth. And you now share it with others as a teacher because we can learn so much from it. And it's interesting. It's exactly 10 years, July 3rd where I, all my cancer treatments, you know, I was finished with all of them. And when, when you bring that up, I had to accept that, yes, many of us get cancer. I'm one of them. And how could I train my brain to experience it in a better light than make it better than it is, make a bad situation better, not worse. And so I got to meet beautiful nurses. I called them my angels. And also, you know, another thing I get from my parents is life is a gift. And I don't mean to be trite, but life is a gift. None of us are entitled to any of this. It's a gift. So whether it's cancer, a divorce, or a death, or how do I show up in the world with others you know, accepting who I am, make changes, train my brain to create what I want. You know, it's that life is a gift is, you know, like you were talking, Todd, about the beach. To me, you saw it all as a gift. Perfection, it's irrelevant. doesn't matter. To your point, Marguerite, what the perfect relationship or marriage or partner would look like or what it would be like with them, or, you know, what the beach should be like, how the house could be, how the kids should be acting, right? How my family should be, what they should be saying, all the shooting we do, right? Because that's really the perfection is just shooting on everything. It's like, this is the way things should be. And I was really struck because I, I truly believe it and I've experienced what you said earlier about, you know, feeling the pain and the suffering that is connected to perfection, you know, what I might say, I call like an expectation of, of a person or what the future holds. And when, what I hear in this question, it's sort of the spirit of why we're asking it or why you posed it, what would you do if you didn't have to do it perfectly, is that in giving up perfection, I open myself to all the experiences that exist that I otherwise may not ever get to when I sit in, in this fear, if I stay, stay in this fear, or even if I heard you even clearly, like run from this fear, avoid this fear. I heard you say, sit with the fear, accept the fear, whatever it might be, accept the suffering, accept that this is the way things are so that you might, if you so choose, do something about it. Yeah. I grew my business. My business partner and I are so different. We're also good friends. <laughs> That's good. I'm not saying you're <laughs> but he doesn't have a lot of fear. I had so much fear. And 
she rightfully said to me when we first started, you know, we cannot grow a business with your level of fear. And this was kind. She wasn't being mean. And I agreed with her. So what do we do? So I could run a business with fear, but it was, and this was before I was a professional coach. Now I have the language around it. It was driving me. Now it doesn't drive me. I put it in the back seat. I put it on a shelf. I can always get it. You know, when we squash a feeling, it's going to come back, you know, even bigger. So I can run a business with fear. It's just not driving. And whether that's self-doubt or anxiety, you know, or perfection, put perfection if you don't want to get rid of it. It's up to us choice. And that's another thing from my parents. I always have to have a choice, a freedom. You know, not being perfect gives you freedom. It's a lot of freedom. Marguerite, what did you do when your partner said that? What were your next steps to shed those fears or table? What did you do? Even when you're asking me, my heart's racing because I could feel it. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I said, Lisa, you're absolutely right. What do I do? <laughs> and I literally, today, again, I have the language. I said, how about if we put it on a shelf? It's ridiculous when I say it out loud. But that gave me permission to, now what do I do? The fear's over there. No one told me I can't have it. No one told me I can't take it. You know, when you say to someone, you know, don't feel like that or don't cry, right? Some people say that. Cry and do it anyway. Yes. Yes, exactly. exactly. I mean, being on a podcast is, you know, it's a little fearful, right? It's a little bit. Do it anyway. Yeah. Because it's inspiring. It's fun. There's other emotions involved. You know, Marguerite, it's funny because I think everyone listening, and I know for Todd and me, what you're saying is completely resonating. And then we all have these areas where it's like, but not in this area, <laughs> you know, it's got to be perfect here. And to get back to the the business example, you know, as an entrepreneur with small business myself, I think that's where my brain goes is like, yeah, but if things aren't, if our foundation isn't perfect and set up and I'm not taking all these learning, you know, learning day courses through EO and like, I haven't learned everything I could possibly learn about, you know, cash flow and, and business systems. And I can't, I, I'm afraid to keep growing and I'm afraid to take more risks in the business. I am. And Todd's, you know, supporting that and doing a great job. We're doing that together. But, you know, how do we do that in business? Like I look at you going to, you know, 15 employees, like that's one employee at a time where it's like, oh my gosh, here we go. Committing to someone's salary and here's another person and here's another person. And I learned from you and from all, you know, the business coaches in our community that you've got to just do it. You've got to scale. You've got to grow. You've got to get over the fear. Here, I like when you say like park it in the backseat, like it's still there. You have to hear what it has to say because sometimes it actually is there to warn you about something that you do need to be mindful of. But like what, you know, how do you coach? Because you are a coach for entrepreneurs. That's your coaching niche. So how do you help people to move through those fears and that that feeling like it has to be perfect for me to keep growing and scaling my business? Well, the first, there's so many answers to that and, and so many great stories I have. But one of the things that gave me freedom was I don't have to believe all my thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, thoughts are these 90-second episodic, they're like clouds, right? And most of them, they say we we have 65,000 thoughts a day. I'm not sure who counted, but let's say we had 12,500, right? I don't have to believe all my thoughts. My feelings aren't facts. There's certain key ideas I have that keep me grounded. But for an entrepreneur, it's not true. Is that thought true that you have to have it perfectly? I can tell you, and so can every member in EO. I think I could speak for them. None of us have done it perfectly. And I love, you know, I love the title of your podcast, The Right Questions. A great question to shift the way we're thinking. If it's not, this is all if it's not serving us. If it's serving us, then you don't have to do this. Right. What if it doesn't have to be perfect? What if that's not true? You know, I had a client who she wasn't able to keep all of her, many of her employees. And what unfolded was she didn't find herself very empathetic. Like if her assistant came into work late, she didn't care why the assistant was coming into work late. You know, if your son is sick, you can come in. And her belief was, because she had to be perfect, her belief was that you can't be empathetic and successful in business. So we go and peel through, train your brain. What if you can think differently? 
What if that's not true? What if questions are life-changing? They've changed my mm-hmm. life. You know, what if I can't find love at 60 or 58? Right, right. We use this word perfect. It's like we kind of hit on it earlier with the what if. It's like, what if there's no idea of perfection? What if there is no perfect? Then what? Then what are you going after? Right. And to zero in and to get that clear, whatever that is, allow, like what I hear you saying is clarity can lead us towards sustained or, you know, clear action, right? A, a clear goal. We can take actions, but without an understanding and an acceptance of the current moment and also what our thoughts are doing in that, like, we don't have to, we can accept and say, oh, look at that. Like, oh, look at that, right? We, I'm sure you train people all, all the time. We talk like, oh, yeah, look at that, Todd. I'll say, Todd, wow, you're really anxious right now. Like, what's going on? I, uh, oh, I didn't realize, I didn't realize my shoulders were like up in my, in my ears. I'm like, oh, wow. And then you start to, and when I do that, I get to come in and experience whatever is going on, which seems to be yeah, the greatest right. gift. What if you weren't anxious? Yeah. What if you could take a deep breath? And it's helpful in business too. I had a client who had a major contract with a major retailer and she decided that she couldn't negotiate one little thing. What if she could? Yeah. I think you've said that to me, Marguerite, when I've shared my, you know, some crazy thoughts or some thoughts that weren't serving me is like, what if you could do it? What if that weren't true? And, and just having you or having a coach say, ask a question like that is like, oh my gosh, there I went again, believing my thoughts. <laughs> you know? And what I like is we're not, I don't want to dismiss anyone. That's not helpful. It's not helpful when we dismiss ourselves. And perfection is dismissing what's possible. It's like perfection is going to, you know, again, our brain is wired this way. You know, you don't want me to go off on neuroscience. I'm not a neuroscientist, but I do a lot of studying. And it's like, it's just stuck here. And if we can't unstuck it, uncover what's underneath, we're going to stay where, you know, status quo. And most people in my world, professionally and personally, want some kind of change. And so they know, you know... There's a, a six inch difference between where we are and where we want to be. And it's right. <laughs> yep. The brain. Well, you know, Marguerite, I look at you and it's interesting to hear you say like you want to change and you're working toward goals and things like that, because I look at your life and it's like I, it looks amazing from the outside. <laughs> you know, like you have this beautiful new marriage, you know, you sold your business. So you're out from that. You know, I, I mean, having a business is amazing. It, it offers a lot of freedom and growth, but it's a big responsibility, you know. And so seeing you like you play tennis and you have all these wonderful friendships and you coach, but coaching, you know, your coaching businesses, it, it feels very like like you have control over it. Like you take as many clients as you want and you have great clients and you have these amazing coaching experiences and you have plenty of time to do lots of learning and education for yourself. So what are you, what are you working toward? Like, how are you loving the life you have, which I I can see you doing and also like challenging yourself and working to grow and, you know, and move in new directions because it's never over, right? Once we're here on the planet. And you're describing the external, obviously, right? Right. I mean, you say I'm playing tennis. I'm playing tennis for the first time in 30-some years. Yeah. If it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't have played. Because on our first wedding Mm. anniversary, we were at a a resort. And, you know, most things were closed down. And they offered us, Simon and I, to go to the tennis courts. And so I said, you know, I have a total shoulder replacement. I have a fused ankle. I am not, I'm not fit. For tennis, but you know what? I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the best things that I've done this year is to play tennis. It's changed my life. Now, the question of, because I just didn't see myself that way. And so I had to shred a story that I can't do that, which I love. Like, I love the, the other question could be, what story do you want to shred? Yes. Yeah, you got rid of that. Shed it. Believe she's boom. Did you say shed or shred? Like, Shred? Oh, shed is better. I don't know. Shed, I like <laughs> they both, both work, don't they? <laughs> you decide. 
Yeah. And <laughs> what I love about profession of coaching is I constantly have to learn. I want to learn because I can't take others deeper than I've gone myself, you know? And so, and I have a lot of self-doubt, like the question of what would I do if I didn't have to do it perfectly? One of the things in tennis is I would play doubles. I'm scared to death. Like I, I, I don't, yeah, anyways, like I'll disappoint the other couple or the other two people, you know, things like that. I think that. you just put a challenge out into the universe for yourself. Uh, I think we're going to have to check in with you on that, Margalit, because you, you voiced the fear. And now there's people going to listen. They say, I'll be your double, Margalit. I mean, shoot, Bridget might be your double. I don't know. I couldn't keep up. I wouldn't ah, be. I, I asked Margalit if she would if she would teach me to play. If she would coach oh, me in God. tennis. So, <laughs> but I'm constantly working on myself. You know, we teach what we most have to learn. I'm a person who grew up with a lot of fear, a lot of self doubt. I was overweight most of my life. I was actually obese. You know, not good enough. I mean, it's crazy stuff. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do, because it doesn't have to be that way. If it's working for you, great. But if you're if you're doing this blame game and it it's not it does it didn't serve me. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of inner work. I would imagine that the Margalee method is like rooted in the work you did on yourself and all those things you just shared. So what's the starting point, if you could, like for everyone listening and they say like, yeah, that resonates with me. I have those thoughts. I'd love to retrain my brain or just train my brain to have a different pattern, a different mode of operating. Where do they start? We start talking about what you want to create, whether it's personally or professionally. I mean, life includes both. And then why is that important to you? You know, what are your beliefs behind that? And I don't know if either of you have read or reading Adam Grant's book, Think Again. I think that's what mm. you And I've said this before, but he writes it better than I'd ever say it is we don't update our beliefs. Like, for example, for me, what did I need to believe that I could start a business? Or, and so what do you need to believe to X, Y, Z, to play tennis? My belief evolved. I had to actually, you know, action is really important. And I had to believe, I had to be on the court to start believing, oh, I can actually do this. I, once a week, I take tennis lessons by Perry. He's a whole other story. He's a fabulous coach. But he'll actually say things to me like, oh, your brain doesn't know how to run. He'll say to me, there's no walking on the court, only running in tennis. And I'll say to him, I'm running. But he understands that the brain is in charge of the feet and I'm just not used to it. I need practice. So today I'm running a lot quicker than I was last year. So Todd, to answer your question, it's an evolution. What are your thoughts about it? What do you believe is possible? Not what's not possible, because we're masters of what's not possible. It's almost like going to the gym. You need more reps on what's possible. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what we yes. play with. I play with possibilities with clients and myself, and life transforms. Thank you for it. Yes, that did answer it. Thank you. Yes. And what if someone wants to coach with you or chat with you about your coaching services, Margalit? I don't do a lot of... Uh, social stuff yet. <laughs> MargaliteMethod.com is my website. You can look at LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I'd be happy to talk to anyone. I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I love too about you so much, Margalit, is you really, really are passionate about it. Like the, the love for coaching and personal growth and business success. It's like, it's so genuine, you know, and I, I was listening to you on another podcast to get ready for this podcast, you know, and you were, the host had asked you like, how did you become a coach? You know, after you sold you and you were like, I've always been a coach, <laughs> you know, you didn't say it in that way, but you know, that's what I heard. And then like, you were, you just naturally always coached people. I know that you did, you have forever because you're so passionate about these kinds of concepts and growth and you're always reading and it's infectious. I love it. It always lifts me up. 
And what I want people to know, first of all, it's a lot of things, but you don't have, it's just small steps. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in my world, we always say, if you could do that or create that 5% more, if you could be 5% patient, if you can be 5% less anxious, what would that look like? It's not an on and off switch. It's like the dimmer, just a little, because otherwise it is scary. Yeah. Yeah. And believe and and never give up. Take those small steps and know that they are leading to what you really want and possibly to something bigger, but, you know, take it one step at a time. And I think about like how many people, you know, aren't in a relationship and they're not happy and they're lonely. And a lot of people I've seen, you know, coaching clients, friends, otherwise, they get to a certain age and think like, well, that's it for me. You know, (laughs) there's no, they don't see that possibility for themselves, you know? And so that's why I really wanted to highlight you fell in love in your late fifties, got married for the first time at 60. I think that's possible for anyone at 70, at 80, right? But you held on to the belief, like, this is something I can do. I can do it at any point in my life. And I'm glad you brought that up because talk about self-doubt. I'm perfectly imperfect physically, you know, I'm no model and I don't aspire to be, okay? And I had many excuses for not finding the man. Mm -hmm. Internally, I thought it might not happen that I find the man for, you know, my partner in life. And I wanted to make sure I'd be okay like that. However, I did want to keep practicing dating. You know, I used to say to myself, how many guys do I have to date? As many as you have to date. Right. That's right. Because I found some people, and I feel badly for them. I give a lot of women in their 50s hope. Yeah. Yes. But I I see a lot of women. I talk to mostly women who, Mm -hmm. that they're bitter. They don't like men. They don't want to bother. They And I'm like, mm-hmm. how is helping you? Yeah. I can have that feeling, but it, it doesn't help me. Mm-hmm. So, but that's work in progress. It's not like every day I woke up and went, yay, I get to go out. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's a practice. And even with Simon, he lived in San Diego, two hours away. What am I going to do? I was at an EO event. I brought him. Why aren't you dating him? Because he lives in San Diego. That was my excuse. Oh, interesting. What if it was possible? Right. Yep. Clearly it was. Thank goodness that you kept opening your mind to the possibility that it could work out because it's, it's a beautiful relationship. I think what I'm really lucky with my with my parents is if I hear the word, you don't have a choice, forget it. I'm done. I, you Yeah. We always have a choice. Yes. I could go through it and struggle every moment or I can make it better. It's not a, you know what I mean? And so the minute, you know, I laugh, I'm on Weight Watchers. I love it because you can eat whatever you want. If you eat it all on the same day, you're not going to create what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me I can't eat something unless it's medicinal, you know, but things like that. Right. Right. I love that. I love that. Yes. And I've seen your tremendous success on that journey. And that's been very inspiring too, to see you, you know, transform <laughs> because you kept believing in yourself and what's possible and you can do it at any point at any time, your own way, the way that works for you. It's been really inspiring. And well, I had a wonderful. lot of practice doing it the way that didn't work for me. Right. <laughs> And that's what we're talking about. That's okay. Like that's part of the journey. Like there's no perfect way to do it. And what's in the past is in the past that taught us that got us to where we are and where we need to be to then move forward to, to be where we want to be now. You know, it's like, like the people who say there's no such thing as failure. I kind of like that. Like it was all getting us to where we are and where we're going. Yeah. That's a whole other part living that that's a whole, yeah, I know, I know. I know. Failure creates opportunities. That's a whole other right. podcast. Yes. It doesn't yes. feel that way while it's going on. Right. And it, right. it creates opportunities. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Where you, we could do 50 podcasts with you, Marley, where we would have a different topic that we could dive into. We should probably. Well, two coaches, you know. It's right. Right. We're yeah. three. Yeah. We're all three. Co- yeah. We're all coaches. And right. The two of us. You. So, yeah, Todd. We hit on it just a second ago. So we had our last podcast guest, Dr. Angela Hubner. We were exploring this question, how can I break out of my invisible prison? And, you know, 
you've also offered some ideas to answer that question as well. One of the questions that she posed, because every episode we have our last guest ask a question. So a second ago, Bridget was talking about the possibilities and you just keep pushing it. You know, it was tennis and you got, you know, married. All the, what, this is Angela's question for you. What is the next big thing you're doing? What's your next big thing? I know you can take a minute, take a minute. To, that's a great question for you. Because <laughs> we always talk about, like, I tend to do things really fast and like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And you, I love, are so mindful and you enter into things carefully. No, this is a beautiful gift and slow, you know, and what you have a saying about doing things, you have to do things slow to be fast or what is that? You saying? have to so, slow down to speed up. You have to it's slow the same down thing to speed up. Right? Thing, so, you know? right. So the question of what's the next big thing, you know, it might not be what appears to be a big thing, but what is the next something for you like so i am committing here on this podcast Ooh, i yes. want to coach a group of eight entrepreneurs it's like a mastermind four to six months and it's either going to be what's your possibility journey or what story do you want to shred or shed todd is going to help it. me with the love title <laughs> I want to sign up for are it. You I kidding? want to be a part there, of it. People are going to be signing, lining up to sign up for this. It this just my, sounds amazing. I love individual coaching and I want to expand the impact. Yeah. You well, know? there's something about, yeah, a group like forums in entrepreneurs organizations and accountability groups. There's so much power in that community and that trust. And you've built that trust in that community in our group. So I think it's a fantastic idea. I can't wait. We will definitely <laughs> support you and follow up and, and hear how that's going for you. That's awesome. I've never committed to something like this so publicly. So thank you. I think. Yeah, it's going to be out there. <laughs> so, so who knows? One, some of the listeners who are listening to this right now may be signing up. So perfect. And a wonderful modeling of behavior, a wonderful example, Marguerite, of stepping into the next thing, right? Stepping, taking your own advice, challenging yourself, stepping out of your comfort zone into a courageous space to make something new happen, right? You, the potential's there, opportunities, there, the potentiality's there, and we're going to see what happens. I know, you know, when there's something special that does happen in groups of individuals and the collective force of, all, you know, eight entrepreneurs doing big things can really, you know, change yeah. the world as, what was that, Margaret Mead, right? Yeah. Yeah. What if it was possible, right? That's right. Yep. So then we had to ask you, you don't know who our next guest is going to be, but we want you to pose a question to this individual. What can we ask them on your behalf? <sighs> what is one thing you can start doing and one thing you can stop doing to create what's next in your life? Ooh, love it. I can't wait for the set part of the answer the second part of that question. What can you stop doing? Cause I, yeah, I know <laughs> well, they, stop, that's true. That's going to, yeah, that's going to require some reflection and honesty, which is great. Stop start is really good questions to ask. Yes. I just, in hearing you say that, I ask myself that when I feel things getting a little out of whack, you know, and, and it, I feel like it's, it look, when I say out of whack, when things feel a little more chaotic than I would like them to be, I say, what's something I need to start doing to bring this into, you know, more equilibrium? And what's something I need to stop doing to achieve that goal always? It puts you into action right away. Yeah. And out of the And it the forces a decision. It's like needs, it requires an answer. Right. 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 And yeah, and oftentimes just saying it out loud, just being asked the question and then saying it out loud, it's like, oh, that makes so much sense. But I wasn't like taking the time. That's why coaching is so amazing. And we all get lots of coaching in addition to coaching. It's just being asked the right questions, right? And and taking that moment to answer. I have had so many coaching experiences with you included and both of you where, you know, just being asked the question and going, oh, this is what I need to do. And oh, I just need to stop doing X. That's going to help, you know, it's not going to like make everything perfect because we're not talking about things being perfect, but it's going to help a lot and it's going to make a difference. And that's what it's all about. Questions are much more important than answers. That's my belief. Yes. 
Well, I'm so glad that we asked you to come on the show and ask that question because I would argue that your answers were as just as important as the question, if not more oh, important. Thank you. But I'm going to throw it to you, Bridget, because I know you'll have a few things you want to say about Margalee, and then I'll send us out. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Todd. No, I think this was a great, a fantastic conversation. I am blessed to get to have lots of great conversations with Margalite one-on-one. So I'm so, so happy and excited to share this with our growing listening audience of the Right Questions podcast. And those of you out there listening, please share with your friends. This is episode 20, as Todd said at the beginning. So we are like really rolling along here. We are loving it. I know. I know. We love it. We are having so much fun. We're getting great feedback from listeners and we're just having a great time. So please keep spreading the word if you like the podcast and follow us on Instagram and let us know what you're getting from it and what you like and what we can continue and what we can do more of. So Margalee, I just thank you. I'm so grateful for you. I love you. I adore you. You are such an important person in my life and I'm so blessed to get to see you pretty regularly. And I just thank you for all that you've so generously shared and given and taught me and and so many people in our circle and our community. And, you know, my husband, Neil, who's just finishing his term as president of EOLA North, thanks you as well for all your service. You know, you're just such a beautiful, important, compassionate, wise, wonderful person in our circle. And I'm, I'm so, so blessed to have you in my life. And I'm so thankful to have, have been able to share this conversation with all our listeners today. Thank you. Thank you both. I love this podcast and you're both such an inspiration. Honestly, thank, thank you so you, much. Thank I, you. you know, our, our listeners, just like our, myself and Bridget, there's an immense benefit and a deep gratitude for the ideas that you are sharing here. I mean, they resonate. They speak things that go on inside of all of us and also things we want to shed or shred in ourselves, right? Beliefs we want to get rid of and, and move on from. Maybe maybe just set to the side and, and move on to see what else is possible. So thank you for, for taking the time and for sharing, you know, as I said at the start, all of this wisdom. All of you listeners out there, I really encourage you to check out Margalit and her Margalit method because you, if today was any example, and it certainly was, there's only more wisdom, more insight, and just more life to be lived when you kind of follow the things that, that we're sharing here in the podcast. So thank you again. And to everyone out there, be good people and make good choices. We'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Right Questions podcast. We hope this episode sparked something that fuels your own inquiry and transformation. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. If you want to learn more about the work we do and how it can benefit you, check out our website, sampsoncoachingandconsulting.com. And connect with me on Instagram at the Bridget Sampson. And you can find me at Todd Parker Official. We'll catch you next week. Until then, dare to ask the right questions. <laughs>